Hey, everybody, before we start the show, I just want to thank you all for downloading and listening. And I do want to tell you that you can help support us by going to patreon.com slash DVR. If you're a fan of our podcast, you can get everything we do on your own RSS feed. You put it right into your app and you get it. All the podcasts ad-free, you get Old Lost Mythos Theorycast episode, the film list. Man, we got tons of special episodes that we're always doing and throwing on the uh, Patreon. So help support us. Go to patreon.com slash DVR today and become a patron for as little as like, what, three bucks a month, and you'll get like seven podcasts a week. That's a pretty good deal. Go to patreon.com slash DVR today. Daily DVR Dives into Mindhunter is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and save 20% on your order. No minimum. Use code DVR20. That's all you got to do. Use code DVR20 today and save 20% off your order. If you've got an event coming up, if you've got... If you just want to look good, go to cufflinks.com and they'll help you out. They've even got a blog over there that details how to get prepared for these big events and order everything for everyone. You know, that can be a hassle. Let cufflinks.com help you do that. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Mindhunter, baby. My name is Axel and of course my co-host, is Heath Sentazo, solo to me and you. And you can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. Also, consider supporting us and becoming a patron like Kellum or Gina at patreon.com slash DVR. You can also send us your feedback at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to be talking about Mindhunter Season 1, Episode 10. We've come to the end, solo. We've come to the end. How you doing, partner? Well, when we come to the end, it's just beautiful, my friend. But yet, <laughs> intriguing. Intriguing, yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm ready. I'm ready for second season. I hope there's a second season. <laughs> I know. I oh, hope, wait, there I, is. I hope Mine Hunter got renewed. We should remind everyone <laughs> that we will be back in January. Uh, to dive into season two of Mine Hunter. This is the end for season one, but we will return. It was renewed, and we will be back to cover it. Uh, exciting thinking about that, but we're taking a little time because I am covering Watchmen. You can check out our Watchmen pod at DVR Podcast. And uh, we thought, you know, we're doing a lot of that, so we're going to take a little break and come back. But this episode is the culmination of basically a season which can be called the spectacular rise and even more spectacular mental breakdown and fall of Mr. Holden Ford. This is some kind of episode. He is really kind of off his rocker in this one, the arrogance, but also the genius at the same time. And uh, this is just an outstanding episode, once again, directed by David Fincher. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Solo? Well, before I get started, I, I just I, I so did you do breaking news that the podcast got renewed too? <laughs> yeah, us we, we're, we're allowed to come too. back. Yes. All right. Okay. Good. 
Good. Oh, I got to make plans then. Um, no, man. I it, yeah. I remember you. Um, I think you had mentioned it. All right. How episode? It seemed like episode nine and ten were almost you know companion pieces, if yes. you will. Yep. And uh, I definitely felt that. Um, you know, watching this again, I man, I again they throw in a great new suspect killer that just. I mean, it's just. All in all, I noticed some things about Wendy. I noticed different things. We get a shepherd appearance. Um, but yeah, no, it, it really, um, it culminates in the right way. And I forgot how tense the final sequ- scene was with Kemp, Edmund Kemper. Um, so yeah, going through it, I'm just like, oh man. This is so good. But yeah, all in all, I mean, A plus all the way. This whole season has been phenomenal. Really enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed it again and again. And talking about it with you, Axel, not only do you complete me, but you talking about the detail and everything we've gone through has really enhanced it even more. I mean, you normally you don't get podcasts about shows like this too often uh, because, they're, oh, it's a serial killer, oh, it's a crime, true crime, or whatever. But as we've been talking, this is a total different show, and it's worth podcasting about. But it's really helped me, too, with just the Fincher details, getting them down, and having our little discussions, buddy. Definitely, definitely. And as you mentioned... This is a companion to the previous episode, and one of the things that I noticed from us doing this and kind of breaking it down and watching them again and again is the way that they kind of grouped episodes. You know, like Mm. earlier we had those, what was that, five and six that were just about 30, 40 minutes long, but they separated them. Um, and this episode, too, in many ways, is just continuing themes from this. I mean, it picks up directly as we left off in the last episode with Agent Snitch sending the tape, you know, giving the tape. Agent Snitch. And then we start off this episode. There's no BTK cold open on this one. But uh, still, the the strange um, attention to detail and showing things that normally in television and film are left out, which is just the cart, the mail cart rolling through the office, right on the floor, the guy opens the door. And as soon as we see this guy, he looks like he could be a serial killer. Like every dude, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was BTK himself when I, I first ever saw it. It's I'm like, "Cause BTK's in the FBI. He's working as a mailman." No they way. totally do this on purpose, and it just yeah. is in line with the great casting and the faces that they cast. There's such interesting faces. I'm looking at this guy's profile on the screen right now, and he just screams like. Ooh, like he just gives you a little bit of a chill, but then he looks like just one of those 70s bearded white dudes that ended up being a serial killer. (laughs) And he's got like these tinted glasses inside a dark building, Um, but it works. And of course, we start out with, um, in this case, we're getting a letter from Kemper um, that we see Holden come into the office and open. 
And he's kind of, you know, right away holding his, you can tell, even after the events of what we've just seen go on with him, um, from the principal to uh, the omission of the tape, the arguments he's getting in with his girlfriend, the disagreements he's having with Tench, with Debbie Shep, everybody. Holden mm-hmm. strolls in there. Oh, look, it's another letter from Kemper, you know, like. And it's just, he, he's just oblivious and on this path of uh, self-destruction where it, at the same time, still successfully doing his job. Yeah. And it's like, oh, another one. And then even agents, isn't Agent Smith like, you get letters from Ed Kemper? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Exactly. I'm a celebrity profiler. He's the celebrity. Know, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of yeah. that's that's where it's going. Um, so we jump right back in to the uh, the tree trimmer case. Um, what was that tree mm-hmm. trimmer's name again? Let me. Uh, Devier. Yes, Daryl Jean Devier and the Devier. murder of Lisa Dorn Dawn Porter, a majorette about twelve years old. Um, and you and, done with LDP? Yeah, you know me. Oh you done with LDP? Boy. Oh, I just I pulled that out of my. I don't know if that's right. appropriate, but we'll keep on going. This is a kid show. Um, <laughs> not really. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize the content. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, okay, great. Keith solo. <laughs> well, we find out that um, Tench gets a call from Atlanta, and the cops there, and they did exactly what he and Holden didn't want them to do which was to give this guy a polygraph and he passes it with flying colors. And they didn't want this to happen because they were afraid that he would pass it as Tench explains to the cop on the phone, uh, but that his confidence would kind of soar through the roof and that they wouldn't have an opportunity to really talk to him again. Um, But Holden in his kind of arrogance here, it pays off which is what's interesting about this episode because, again, so much – his arrogance does pay off when it comes to getting to the goal. It's his methods that get messed up, right? He has to learn about yeah. that. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you – you know, again, watching Bill throughout this process. I mean, Holden's like boom, boom, boom. We got to do this, do this, do this. And – um and, and Bill's just kind of letting him do his thing, and which is interesting. He's not like Holden, you know. Maybe you should, you know, because probably because he agrees what he's doing. It's almost like let Holden do it, even uh, it's okay. Not meaning with about the consequences, but like Bill's not the type of guy that would just start doing this. He's old school detective, um, but. He just kind of lets Holden go, and it, you could tell he's almost like, you know, he's doing his thing, and he just, it, it, we've reached a point now, it seems, where it's like, aside from the weirdness of Holden away, right now, uh, he's just lets him, lets the bird fly. Yeah, he it, it, it is like that, and it's like he's, Bill, in this episode, there's certain times where he kind of steps out of the doorway as he does so many times, right? Like he did with the <laughs> last episode. Get rid of the fucking tape, right? But this, in this episode, he it's almost like he doesn't 
it's kind of like he's acting like he does with his son. He just doesn't yes. know what to do with Holden. Like he, he agrees with people when they say he's going off, when Debbie says it, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, when Wendy says it, but um, he doesn't really do anything and he keeps on making comments like you mentioned, like it's a Holden thing. And yeah. <laughs> it's just a very hands-off approach that like we had talked about, like I think last episode and the episode before, where Tench is kind of not really – he's not really helping Holden very much. You know, for all he talks of being a team and all that, he too is kind of so emotionally stunted that he doesn't know what to do now with him. Right, right. And I will have to say, uh, the funky music, Axel, that's playing during this montage. <laughs> yeah. It's called, it's called Express by BT Express. And yes, it will be on my DJ solo Mindhunter pod, but it's just like that funky 70s series. Yeah, this is awesome, you know, man. I love it, dude. So yeah, it does work out. They, they end up in Atlanta. Um, and the tree trimmer, uh, actually goes for the idea of being deputized. It, it was weird. They don't full, I had to, it would took the rewatches for me to understand it is that since they already interviewed him, they tried to make him believe that he was going to be deputized and help them. They're going to be able to tell him information because he's like their star witness here. But I didn't quite understand the deputization part in the beginning. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that. I thought you said you still have to read him as Miranda rights. Did I? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I her. heard that wrong. But it was something like where they were bringing, they were telling him that they were bringing him in because they needed his help, not because they were interviewing him. Yeah. About. Did he do it right? Like he did, he came in there under the auspice of his own ego that you know they were like turning to him. So it was yeah, kind of strange because yeah, because he you know they gave him the polygraph, which Bill told him not to. Of course, he passed or was inconclusive, um, and so. I, I guess maybe when they say you're going to read his, you know, I automatically think Miranda writes, maybe I'm right, wrong, deputized. I, th I thought to cover their behinds, they had to Mirandize him. But I, I, again, geez, I don't know now. Anyway, but yeah, he has to basically come in on his own. And the fact that he does just sums it all up about this guy's headspace. Yeah. The, and and you're right. We get this kind of disco music underneath it. Actually, it kind of reminded <laughs> me of um, like a, like a, a heist thing. <laughs> well, oh like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Like it was Ocean Seven Eleven or something <laughs> like that. You know, like they're doing that, like bump, 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 chick, chick, and getting really yeah. into it. And it was this was a nice part of the episode because you got to see kind of Holden and Tench and Holden in his element. And I think that, again, that is a part I want to stress. They We do end, obviously, with a breakdown, and we've seen the road that this ha, this ha, he's gone down and how this has really disturbed him mentally. But we can't forget 
that he really is kind of a genius in figuring yeah. all of this out. And the steps that he's taken along the way, even down to when he had them change those words. Remember that was, I think, episode even four or something in the FBI. And mm-hmm, then later mm-hmm. he's getting in trouble for using these type of words. It's like he yeah. even foresaw <laughs> yeah. what they were going to get him for. You know, so yeah. he really, there's no doubting Holden when it comes to this stuff. And it's great to see him have to be let in control and you pick all these little props and everything and get this whole scenario mastermind while the other guys just kind of stand back and let him do his thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it, you know, you, we follow these characters through road school, through serial killer interviews, through cases and it just, it seems to, regardless of Holden being cocky and his whole, um, that whole aura of him at this point in the story, man, he just, he instantly, boom, this is what we need to do. And yeah. even, and even Bill is like, it's, it's his thing, you know? And the fact even too, and one of the biggest things I got from this as cocky and as arrogant, uh, Holden has become at this point, I love the fact that with the recorder, he does, he, he warns the detective that the things you're going to hear may be very uncomfortable and he doesn't record that part. Yes. You know, he learned his lesson. (laughs) He learned his lesson, but at the same time, he's still doing it. So, but he learned from Bill (laughs) to lose the tape. You know, malfunction, but do it right where he just doesn't record it at all. Yep. And Bill goes along with it, right? Like Bill notices that he does with the tape. He doesn't stop the interview. He doesn't say, hey, hold, which he's done in the past, right? I mean, he walked out of interview. No, he, he lets it happen. And then when Holden turns it, and starts to mention the objects behind him and brings it out and reveals the rock, which they called earlier their shoe. I love that. Their they, shoe. Right? Yeah. The nomenclature yeah. they use. The the whole mood changes. Even the camera changes and kind of pulls back behind them like they're looking mm-hmm. over him. And he and Daryl starts getting like exactly what Tench says later. You know, when people get – when they're guilty, they just clam up. But him and Tench, Holden and Tench are just going at it. And it's amazing. And then they do a shot from behind the glass where the cops are like amazed at the great detective work that they're pulling off, right? And then mm-hmm. the cop comes into the room and he slides in and he's like, yeah, we can do that. We can get that, ev- you know, we can get that evidence. And they're just, it, Bill is. Again, he is not stopping Holden. He's letting him do it. And then when the time is right, he's jumping in. So it's like, it's almost as if, even though this is terrible for Holden and his psychology, right? They're mm-hmm. getting the job done. Yeah. It, it, what's interesting, because you will see sometimes like I, I, that uh, Detective uh, Gordon Chambers uh, from the, the uh, Georgia, I mean, his reactions is great. I mean, he really adds to it. Holden's reactions are Holden. And then Bill, even though he doesn't agree with, 
a couple of the questions. He gives that look, but yet he knows it needs to be done and he lets it go. Not as bad as the spec stuff, but he's, it's almost like he understands it needs to be done. And I'm glad Holden's saying it because yeah. I can't say this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. and then he's sitting, he's sitting right near, like, Right near Devier, he's just sitting. I mean, it's like he's boxed in, you know? And it's just, oh, it, it's intense. And Bill's not being a night, not being a bad guy, you know? But he's not like, oh, you know, hey, it's okay. Like, he can turn that on. He's just boom, boom, and letting Holden kind of relate to him. And it's amazing how Holden does it again. There's one point where he goes, um, oh, darn it. I, I, I can't remember, but he like almost what he did with, uh, spec where he, he said, he, he makes a comment, even though Devier didn't answer that he, you know, had a conversation with the girl. Um, but he's like, so when you talk to her, you know, and he goes for it and, and he kind of bites on that. But as he relates to Devier's, wants and his desires he really starts to break him down and get that information and it's done so subtly where the guy isn't he thinks he's smart but he's not the smartest guy but once he starts talking about her and the age 14 and you know consent and he starts to like well yeah yeah well she's high you know oh yeah wait a minute you didn't see her at first you started waving at her (laughs) but you didn't see her now she's hot you know Yeah, he turns it. You're right. He turns it on him so quickly. And it really was pretty, uh, it was pretty masterful. And it was much the way that he introduced the blue material, you know, the stuff that he didn't want to record, the nasty bits was much more subtle than he had in the past. Because he even introduces it just in the beginning of the conversation, right? Where he says, oh, you know, you've been married a couple times, popular with the ladies, you know, kind of going down that road and then he lays off. So it is, he's not totally out of control. And again, that's something that I appreciate about this show. Yeah, Holden is losing it. He's losing himself inside this work. He can no longer distinguish what his actual feelings are from those that are going to just elicit a response from a murderer. And that is really troubling as well as the breakdown of his mm. relationship with his girlfriend and, and, and at he's not following things at work, but he's still so good at his job that this interview really kind of is the pinnacle of everything that we've seen the whole season. Because this guy right. was a lot, he was smarter, actually. Daryl ended up being a lot smarter in the sense that the the object, his emotion got him in the end, but he was doing pretty good with the interview questions up until Holden really worked him. And it was like levels of working him that. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he um because he's like, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but even even how he answers, I thought wouldn't be enough at first to put him away. It's like, like because Holden almost leads him, mm-hmm. 
with answers. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it could have happened that way. Yeah, okay. And it's just like at first, but man, his emotional crack is like that rock, of course, yep. did it. That was his shoe. And he just trembles. And it's not like, yeah, man, I did it. I'm so, I got to confess. No, they just amazingly Fincher just gets his emotions. And then they, of course, cut to the bar where they're celebrating. Um, that was interesting, I, wasn't it? Because we don't yeah. get to see the way that he admits to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it kind of let, let, left a little sour taste in my mouth in the sense that I was like, okay, how much did he admit to? Because just you were exactly right, Solo. That was not enough initially to get him. And that did seem a little bit coercive. They would have had to get that next level of... But I guess they got it. And also, I guess back then, times were a bit different. Yeah, and maybe there's more where he admits or signs a yeah. confession. And I guess, you know, he didn't get the best lawyer. Um, I guess we didn't have to see it. It was about getting that emotion out of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess the, uh, Fincher's basically saying, okay, the viewers are smart enough to realize we got him. Yeah. We don't have to have the whole breakdown of his character maybe they shot some of that but then felt it didn't work who knows and i do i appreciate it but i think that was also purposeful because yes of course because of the nature of the direction that it went in and what's happening with holden you don't want you don't really come out of this which uh, even though it is the culmination like i said of their technique and working together and it was great in that sense there was still so much marred by it. And as we see, as time goes on, that's going to, you know, bite him in the ass. Um, right, right. Like you said, they end up celebrating at this bar and we've seen this scene before too. Right. And so many times Holden's off in the corner and Bill's the one who's Holden talking. Court, yeah. Yeah. And now Holden's holding court and uh, Holden, Holden, and and then he gets all weirdly <laughs> personal and sexual and starts talking about his mom. It's like, I don't know, that man. That was weird. <laughs> weird, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that was just strange. I, 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 I yeah, he's. I felt uncomfortable in this scene. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because I'm like, what is he gonna say now? I was like, act like it was like me and you were there. Talk about I'm like I'm like go I put my head to your axle. What where is he going with this? Let's do one more drink and get out of here. Yeah, this was weird, and it, it just kind of shows where he's at in his mind. Um, and well, if oh, go ahead. If I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, if you notice how, and again, this could be the experience of Bill Tench, but how when the case is done, Bill can have his drink unwind, relax, and move to his headspace that doesn't think about this stuff. Holden is on 24-7 thinking about this. He's into this. He doesn't know how to shut it off yet. Yeah, that's totally true. And it's the the braggadocious nature (laughs) is one thing and the arrogance, but then that weirdness mixed with it makes it so awkward uh, and it was, yeah, it's really awkward. And the awkwardness continues as we go to Holden and Debbie. Um, and they're at the grocery store, which, by the way, God damn, does this grocery store look awesome? It does. <laughs> it looks so cool, man. I just, man, this show achieves 
that retro look without kind of smashing you over the face with it. And it just totally looks like a kind of a city grocery store back then. It's really, man, just the fluorescent lighting, everything, the way this is shot. I love this scene. And then you can hear in the background, I checked it, they're in aisle one. But as they progressively get into this argument, um, which is basically her saying, you know, everything's an experiment to him, which is Mm -hmm. totally true. Exactly what you're talking about. You can't turn it off. As they as they cut out of this scene, you hear the old familiar clean up in aisle seven. <laughs> clean up in aisle seven. <laughs> and I was like, are they in aisle seven? And they're in aisle one. Produce. Ah. But um it is very metaphoric for their relationship. It's just, you know, he's spiraling out and she doesn't yeah. really know how to deal with it. And she calls him out like you know. He's like he's pretty much get, get getting off yep. on on his work, and it, it's just you know once again and and watching this again and again, Axel, I'm really watching these scenes from Deb's perspective this time around, and man, I totally get everything she poor yeah. poor thing. Yeah, you know, you know, you get so mad at her for doing that experimental thing in the dark. You know, is she cheating? Is she not? Whatever. But, I mean, all Holden cares about is talking about him. And yep. poor thing is just like, ah. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring it up. I, I really want to go back now, watch, and not even watch the characters. Watch what's around them. You know, the Fincher detail, mm-hmm. the, like you said. the Like, because we're so focused on them, we may lose, we get so into it. Um, the normal eye may lose what's happening around them. Jeez, I'm going to have to do another rewatch, Axel, and just watch the stuff in the background. <laughs> Man, the, the, the cinematography on this show is is the best. I mean, I, I don't I, – There's. I mean, I can compare it to my fi- – I always compare everything to kind of Better Call Saul and like the spectacle of Game of Thrones. But the cleanness, the tightness, the colors, the textures, the tones – the gradients of like weird blues and grays and greens that are in this show are yeah. just amazing. And this whole thing is um, when, when they leave this conversation and they they walk outside into the parking lot and they have all those posters on the window of the supermarket, which is so how yeah. it used to be. And they're all perfect. Oh, oh man, it looks great. But then you see the, the principal walk by. Oh, and he doesn't look in a good way. And mm. doesn't that remind you, Axel, when he sees the principal? It reminds me of something they would do in The Wire. Yeah. Like just a little quick scene where you see a character really quick and you don't have to, he doesn't have to be like, hey, Deb, look, it's him. That's him, the one, the wife that can't, you know, you don't need any of that, like, or him up, you know, it's just his reaction. We see him. We know he's down in the dumps. That's it. That's all we yep. need. Yeah, and that's hitting him. It's all coming back. And it's almost like a dream yep. too, right? Like oh, the yeah. way Holden looks at it, he's almost kind of like, am I, wait, am I hallucinating this? Is this my active imagination that I have? Or, but it's not. And it just kind of, everything's sad. Yeah, or, or 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 it's almost like 
a metaphor maybe if I choose the right words because normally I don't. But is it like if you keep going this path, you're going to make yourself nuts and you're going to end up like him, Mm. alone and crazy. You know, it just kind of – I noticed the parallel there. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe, you know, I bet you Holden isn't thinking that just yet. But if he goes on this path that he's going, he may end up like him. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor – cufflinks.com you know sometimes i just go over to cufflinks.com i look at their awesome products and i say to myself how lucky i am to have this amazing sponsor they've got the coolest stuff over there man i just got you know what they sent me and i'm going to be giving these away some popcorn cufflinks listen to all our podcasts at dvrpodcast.com to find out how but they've got awesome stuff over there so go to cufflinks.com slash dvr and use code dvr20 They've got socks, ties, cufflinks, money clips, tie clips, so much cool stuff, uh, even like pocket squares, just any way to kind of make you look good. Those little touches always help. Don't forget the little details, baby, because cufflinks.com's got them for you. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. No minimum. Solo, I think you really hit upon something there because I've been thinking about the principle and why that was included in the show. And I mm-hmm. I think you're right that that is really a mirror for Holden and the way that he touches that weirdness but doesn't fully go in, you know, so he only tickles yeah. the toes. He doesn't jerk off in the shoes yet you know what i mean like he's not he's not a serial <laughs> killer that should be the name of our pod uh, <laughs> jerk off in the shoes oh no, no, no yeah well i don't know we'll see about that um we might get, <laughs> I get some more listeners you never know with this crap yeah, you never know um but it really is a great you're right man that is a great mirror and a great balance there because there it, it's not all the way but it's enough and that kind of Tickling the toes thing goes very bit or like dipping your toe in the water and kind of for Holden, it's talking, you know, it isn't Mm. yet really doing. He's been uncomfortable with the doing and that's probably a good thing. Like the way he got uncomfortable when Deb dressed up for him, that's, that was a good thing, right? Like I think any person after well i mean after experiencing what he experienced yeah no no i no, no i was being yeah. more, i was more of a sarcastic well yeah because I, well she looked great and she's gorgeous yeah. but i would think you just had that experience that's a natural reaction but he didn't know how to handle even a natural reaction right right that's when you know that you're off kilter right when it's not just when you uh, when a person and with mental health issues, it's not just when a person acts out or whatever. It's when it, something good happens or something positive happens and a person can't relate to it. And that's yeah, what's like happening. Yeah, like if he had – like during that sex scene with Deb, when he noticed the shoes – now, if he got totally off, got off by it and it was like the best – then, then that would have been super weird. So it was good that he had to at least stopped <laughs> and was like, okay, uh, you know, I, yes. I, I can't do this. I mean, had he gone that way, then we're like, oh, making of a murderer here or serial killer. But um, that, the difference, thank God. 
Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad too <laughs> that we didn't get like a sex scene where Holden is having flashes to Brutos in the in the oh, God. scene and then Tench is in the corner going, Yeah, Holden. <laughs> oh god. And he's got and that shirt on that like, you like. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> It's date night, Solo, on. it's date night. Um, hey, right, I right. like it. <laughs> we're going off the rails. Right, we're going off the um, rails, but that's what we do in finales. Yeah, well, well, it's Holden, baby. Uh, so Holden goes back to work, um, and and we get uh, him kind of walking into uh, everyone finding out that there is a newspaper article. Uh, here's Wendy. Here's Tench Smith. There's a newspaper article in the local paper about Holden catching the child killer and basically laying everything out because guess what? There was either a reporter in the bar or one of the people he was talking to overheard him and told them, but it's got all the details. Um, Wendy is like shocked and thinks um, that it makes it sound like they coerced him. Yeah, no, and that's what, and she says that's looking bad, and they're not, and even Bill, they're not prepared to have this in the paper, mm-hmm. uh, not at all, because you know, as uh, uh, because it's just something that's in its infancy, it's starting to work, but if this type of thing gets out, it's like when um, Wendy and Bill have a conversation. I think, af- yeah, a little bit after this, like right after, how Wendy's like, you know, if. No one's going to talk to us if they think they're going to go to the electric chair after talking to us. And Bill's like, well, if, you know, if we clam up or law enforcement won't talk to us if we're squeamish, you know, so it's the two sides there. And, you know, Holden's just like, he, he thumbs through and he's like, ah, there's nothing wrong with it. That's good. Yeah. And they're like, no, you know, you're missing the point, Holden. <laughs> yeah. And then comes the kicker where Ugh. he leans in to Bill and says, Bill, is this really because you're not mentioned? And then, <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the face. Oh, oh man. My boy Holden, but I wanted to pop This him. was some great acting, too, because Tench just kind of looks at him, looks over at Wendy, and then just leaves the room, like, without oh, even saying McNally, anything. man. He that is was freaking, great. He's so effing good. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry. I, I just, as an actor... I, I, Bill Holt McNally's like, I've always loved him, but he's like my, my new favorite. Like, I could see myself in like eight years being like Holt McNally in the Mine Hunter. Yeah, well, maybe, baby. Maybe 12 years. <laughs> he's Sorry, great. I just he's get excited. Great. Yeah, he just got he's cast phenomenal. in a, uh, and I guess the new Guy Ritchie movie. He's going to co star. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. You know, because, you know, Fincher, I, I'm assuming Fincher kind of launched his career. And, you know, after Fight Club, he was working all the time. I and mean, he was working a little bit before that. But, like, he started, you know, he had a big um, reoccurring on CSI Miami. And, like, you know, it was always popping in movies and, of course, lights out. But this, it just seems like kind of like what. Maybe not to the extreme as Breaking Bad, but you know how Brian Cranston was, you know, yeah, working actor, regular yep. Malcolm Middle, and then that role in Breaking Bad, he became an A-lister, like ultimate A-lister. Now, because of this, it seems like Holt is becoming. Now he's like, oh, this, yeah, we'll put him in this. Like you often see that before TV, real quick. 
if you were a TV star, it was very hard to break into films. I mean, even it, it, it's still hard to be a lead in a film after you've been a TV star. But but now the way TV has changed, and a lot of big actors are you know I do like a Julia Roberts is doing a short lived you know the True Detectives. That seems though to be propelling movie careers more than TV used to. Yeah, like you definitely. see him in this, and it's just like boom. So. Well, because yeah, also so you it, think about the reach of Netflix and how it's ubiquitous and oh, everyone yeah. has it, you know, and, and people understand that. It is kind of funny, right? Because back in the day, people, you, you think about George Clooney and everyone's like, oh, do you know he was on exactly ER? And then you're like, well, do you realize that more people watched ER than saw the first five movies he was in, but you thought yeah. it was a bigger deal just because he was in a movie? And it's really yep. the way that film and television is kind of presented and marketing and even the way that the people who create it talk about it, that film is like this sacred – you enter a sacred theater, but TV, just turn it on and watch it. But guess what? Yep. Mindhunter's better than things that uh, probably everything that's in the theater right now, save for a few great, yeah. f- th- save for like the lighthouse or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. It's true. it, um, uh, yeah, no, it's true because I used to go to the movies every freaking week to the movie theater religiously. We don't go, we go once every three or four months, if that. Because there's so much great content, and then by the time we're ready to go see the movie, it's already out yeah. on streaming or or something. So it, it's it's more we go to the movies for the event stuff, yeah, the spectacle, and then we have so yeah, and so much more at home where we can you know just dive in and not get distracted. And of course, you know, but um, yeah, isn't that funny having, too? You used to think that you'd go to the I want to go to the movies so I'm not distracted and I can just watch yes, the movie. Yeah. Now you think, wait, that's the other, it's the opposite. When you go to the movie, there's all the people, the cell phones, the talking, nobody cares anymore, the light bulbs dim. So it's like, it, it's changed. I don't, I don't want to be an anti, cause I actually love the theater. I just think, oh, so I, I. I think it'll change. And over time, they realize that and you'll have your spectacle theater. And now more and more, like out here in Portland, we have three or four, like, oh, they call them like living room theaters. You know, and like you sit oh. on a couch, you can drink beer, you kind of have a larger seat, you hang out, you can't have your cell phone. So that's kind of cool. Isn't that interesting, though, how theaters were so standard? Now they're with the times changing yeah, to make you feel like you're at home because everyone enjoys being at home more watching yep. stuff. So that's anyway, let's man. let's let's. Hey, let's take a trip to Rome, Georgia. Axel. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so basically, this is kind of an interesting thing. And again, I want to, I, I mean, I credit ourselves for doing a rewatch, people for listening, but it took me a little to understand this because when I first saw this, I didn't quite understand what the hell Wendy was doing. But I think this is a little bit of a a nod towards Holden's behavior almost spreading throughout the unit. And when we talk about the way Tench acts, 
the way Smith is um, going behind their backs, and basically the, the the lack of unit cohesion. Because Wendy, after this newspaper, and they have this whole disagreement, and Holden's tripping out. She just all of a sudden gets on the phone and starts making travel arrangements. Tench is like, what are you doing? She says, well, we have to go there now because like you said, Solo, if they go after the death penalty, if they seek the death penalty for this case and we're associated with it, no one is ever going to talk to us again because all the serial killers we interview are just going to think that we're there to get more information to slap more charges against them right? and kill and get them to go to the death penalty so we look good. But then Tench is like, Wendy, that what are you talking about? First of all, you can't go there and present yourself as being in the FBI and asking for this because that's not our job to interfere with what sentencing is or what the DA goes for. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally off book. Uh, but she eventually says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he says, well, take Holden with you, which didn't make much sense to me because Holden is the one who's tripping out. And he just told Tench that, you know, you're jealous about not being in the newspaper. And I think, again, it's like indicative of Tench being the dad who's like, mom, just take the kid and get away from me. <laughs> like they're all right. breaking down and they're all kind of they're acting the way the way that they break everyone down and say every you know all these killers motives are from their interior lives and their interior motives but they act like they don't act like that whereas this is showing us that's the only way they act and, yeah, and if you notice they're ignoring it yeah, and if you notice, if, if you really take a look back and look at the whole season up to this point, out of all the decisions and stuff, it seems like Bill is the one that actually makes the most sense at times, right? Like, he oh, kind of knows. A doubt. Without a doubt, I think yeah. Bill, Bill's... Uh, you know, aside yeah. from his home life that's away from this... <laughs> Will, yeah, William Tench. William just knows what to do and it's interesting because again he's a brute and he's old school and he's but you you know even wendy like she almost needed this uh, ass kicking to put it in perspective and of course holden makes a comment of like what did you expect wendy you know but she is really overmatched here this mayweather i mean she's a pistol yeah great casting again yeah, I like that she uh, she really puts it into perspective of on the Rockford Files and Hawaii Five O. Yep. You're not going to see the gruesome parts or the reaction of the constituents and death penalty and all that stuff. You're just seeing the investigation and the lollipop kind of popcorn eating stuff on TV. You know, and it, it just it really was very interesting. It's almost like a commentary on. You know, network through the years, your network crime shows, and now we're watching Mindhunter on Netflix, and we're able to give you everything. Yep. You know, so I like the kind of reference there. Yeah, that is cool. And it's also important because just like was said in, I think, what was it, episode one or two, when Holden and Tench first started kind of talking and Holden got into this, 
was the idea that educating the public, not only the cops, but the public on what they're doing is essential because if they can't understand it, they're not going to be able to make judgments based on it if they're in a jury. And also the DAs are not going to change their sentencing or the way they go about cases based upon the way they can sell this type of uh, investigation and psychology and criminal psychology. So in the end, this is what, this is like the, this, the same thing happened to them in the other case, right? With Frank Mm -hmm. and the, and the, and the family, the family affair, I guess we could call it. Um, (laughs) And it's happening here too. And with the newspaper article, makes you think maybe Wendy is Wendy has a point, but Holden has a point too that it is letting people know what's going on, and it maybe Wendy should have really listened to Holden in this case because Holden kind of is in better touch with whether a serial killer is going to get upset about this than maybe she is. And maybe it really plays into the same thing that it played into him, which is they want their name in that, right? Like what was there two or Mm -hmm. three of them when they said, well, withhold your name. And I don't, I can't remember. I think Bruto said it. And I think uh, there was another one who said, why would you do that? (laughs) 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 I want my name in it. Why do they yeah, come I want up and my name in it. You know, like they want that kind of um, adulation. So I found this whole thing to be really uh, weird. Um, yeah, you have as about as much time to talk to me as I have to eat this sandwich. <laughs> yeah, just it was like, just the way whoa. Wendy acted. It was it was really like everybody was kind of going off the cliff here. Um. And, and it uh, seems Wendy's doubting herself now. Yeah. She's at a point where she's now, I mean, she thought she could just go down there, you know, and just be like, hey, you know what? This is what I need. You got to do this. And she, this, and Mayweather's like, hell no. Yeah. And Wendy's like, well, what the hell are we doing? You know, so again, little, uh, small, yeah, small scene, but yet very impactful in the what's happening and what's about to happen and what's the, you know, the future of this behavioral science stuff. Yeah. Well, as you said, what's, what's about to happen is, um, everything's about to go downhill people. (laughs) Yep. Here we go. (laughs) You watched it. When in Rome, you you know what happens. Holden ends up stalking, ended up on Debbie's porch again. Totally, this scene is a make. My God, he is such a great. This is one actor. of the best scenes ever. Oh, he just breaks it all. That well, you tell me, Holden, and he just well, your city. Well, I can tell by your arms on your chest. And the last couple of times we met, and he goes through a list until he says, "And you're doing that because you're going to break up with me." And then, yeah, and he realize like I'm sorry, he he like doesn't you know he doesn't come out and say he. He realizes he does the profile, blah, 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 yeah. everything, you know, the wine, only one glass, the last 10 times he didn't come to bed with me, all that. And he goes, because 
you're going to break up with like he realizes it like too fast like his mind was too fast mm-hmm. and then he takes it and he doesn't you know and basically i felt deb was going to trying to give him one last olive branch to sit down and talk like a human being mm-hmm. and try to work it out even though it's probably past the point of no return but she gives him a little like hey this is your chance to admit talk and see if if there's hope to work it out but basically it's the greatest breakup in history because she doesn't have to say a damn word yeah he does it all and, and then he's just like okay i'll pick my stuff up in a week peace and she he says you're going to break up with me and her response is uh she says i am right and then it's like yeah she but, she re- realized too am i he's too fucking good you know what I mean? Like there yeah. is something to be said for a person who is of such extraordinary, has such extraordinary means of their mind, I mean, to intelligence and awareness that they can kind of outdo themselves and outdo even their own lives. And it's this scene kind of shows it where he was just absolutely right. He knew it. But the problem is the discrepancy between him being able to see these things and him being able to act like an adult, process them, and treat another person like a human being. Because it was easy for her, but it was also really – he was a total prick. He doesn't say to her, okay, gosh, you're right. Look what I just did. Like, I'm sorry. I love you. I tried. And even she says you were so sweet when we first met. You know, you were so kind. Sweet and curious. Yeah, and now cur- he's just yeah. curious. Yeah, sweet and curious. But um, I think we, I think it's safe to say bye-bye, Debbie. That was uh, – Yeah, unfortunately, yep. I think it is bye-bye, Debbie. And it's kind of sad because she was a great – she's a great character. She is. Um, and, and it really added so much to away from work holding, but – yeah. Well, hopefully she'll come back and start dating Agent Smith or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he comes, Agent Smith comes, he's like, hold it. I met this girl. Holy cow. She's really kinky. Yeah, she blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what about your wife, Smith? What about my wife? I'm on it, baby. <laughs> well, come on. Oh, yeah, shit. I'm married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's a great actress, and I love this character. I know in the in the kind of Mindhunter community, people who are fans of this show, there is some people say, oh, why was she, you know, what purpose? I think that this, she was brilliantly written. I loved her character. She was strong. She was interesting. She was fragile in many ways as well. She was a whole character. The actress was great. And I think for Holden, it would be a chore to find what kind, like, it was. It's interesting that he even decided to have a love interest for him, right? You know, because it's just weird mm-hmm. the way he reacts to things, the, the journey he's going on. But I think this was so mature, and I just I love the character. But uh, he walks out, and that's uh, what we're going to see of her. And uh, when he gets back to Quantico the next day, we also get the music, the theme, the Holden and Debbie theme that. Wah, like just that little noises, <laughs> which I love. Oh my God. I love that. Um, 
But uh, Holden gets a call. And as we began the episode with Kemper sending him another letter, Holden kind of joking about it. Well, guess what? Kemper has tried to kill himself and Holden is his contact. At the same time, this is such an expertly directed scene. There's all this commotion in the background, right? We see like yes. Smith walks by Wendy Tench. We hear maybe is that Shepard? And then Holden hangs up the phone. He turns right. The camera goes with him. Brilliant. And before he can, we even see him. We hear Shepard's voice. The FBI has the tape. And all basically Shepard says is, I suggest we follow what I think what Wendy said and lay it all out on the table. Be transparent. Be yeah. transparent. So he doesn't even want to fucking deal with this shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> before, it's and, like you know, he turns around and walks away before the, he can even get his close up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before it's like holding you, asshole. He, he just walks away. Yeah. You're right. Well, and again, this is like, especially what they say with screenwriting, if you have someone on the, you know, it's just more interesting when you got other things going on. Now, you oh, can't do it all the time. Well, like how Shepard goes to Wendy's office, to Bill's office, they walk out, and it's just, oh, man, it was just so well done. Something so simple, but yet so interesting. Yeah. Because we get what, when we get the information on the phone, we get it, we get it. But to add that and to add a little tension for Holden on the phone, trying to, what the hell, what? I'm his emergency contact and blah, blah, blah. blah. But wait, what's going on with Shepard and that? I need to be over there, too. He needs to be in two places at once. It's just really well done. But you, you notice, too, how before, of course, Bill accuses Wendy, did you send the tape? You know, she looks at everyone to mm-hmm. see who did it because she knows she didn't do it. And us as an audience, we know who did it. And they, oh, good old Agent Smith keeping his mouth shut. Yeah, yeah little turd. <laughs> but, but and she gives a classic, you know what? Fuck you, Bill. And just walks away. And good for her. Like, you know, I I love Wendy. At times I get frustrated with her because she almost pouts. But at the same time, she's a voice of reason. At the same time, it's, you know, I want good things to happen for her. You know, it's it's such a mixed bag with Wendy. Um, But, you know, she just, ah, I'm just glad she became part of this show. Yeah, uh, again, we talked too. about Anna Torv being fans, but they re- really needed it because Bill, the Shepherd Bill Holden thing is it, fantastic, and I could have followed it throughout the whole season, just them. But having Wendy Carr in there, it just man make, brought this show to a new level. Yeah, and we got some ants in the cat food too, or in the tuna. <laughs> the tuna, come on. It became cat food. Yeah, I thought, yeah. no, I think that she's a deep part of the show and brings a, uh, an interesting perspective. And I, you know, these episodes and this episode in particular, um, she's just fed up with this shit. And we've yeah. seen what she's transplanted her entire life. She doesn't really know. Is she a cop? Is she not? Is she part of the FBI? Is she a researcher? She's arguing. With, it's just uh it's it's difficult and in the in the act of creation, which really what they are doing, and this is kind of, you know, we've talked about it on so many podcasts before. How in essence you can look at any television or film 
any television program or film and see it as basically a metaphor for making a movie or a TV show. And in a sense, they are like that. It's a chaotic set. There's, there's emotions. People don't know the right procedure. What are the boundaries? But they're making something incredible. And even after all this craziness and what happens here in a hallway of all places in a basement, they're still there figuring out procedures that will completely change police work in the entire world. Yeah. So it just shows you, though, that human beings are always going to be human beings. Just like these serial killers come down to their emotions and their internal lives, so do our main characters here. <coughs> yeah, and you notice real quick, Axel, uh, to go back just a second, just a, a quick observation. When Wendy's on the phone booking the flight before she goes to Atlanta, Bill's like, don't go back to Boston. Like she, He just assumes she's leaving you oh, know, and getting the hell right. out. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And then... He gets to that point, like, don't leave. But then he gets to a point, did you, you know, did you send the tape? It's just funny how Bill's perception of Wendy, like, I need you, but wait, you did it. You know, know, it's just kind of (laughs) interesting. Well, it's just like his wife, right? Push and pull kind of thing. Um, Yep. Yep. So uh, Holden is interviewed again right after that scene. Um, he goes to his desk. He goes right back up to the back to the same interviewers we saw before with Ted Smith and Holden. Now it's just Holden, and they're actually on the other the ta- the sides of the table are switched this time. It's interesting, yeah. and Holden really is just really proudly sitting there. He is n- not phased by this at all. He is so arrogant. Uh, to the mm-hmm. point at which he makes reference to the way that they made fun um, of uh, – who was it that they were making – interviewing again about um, who pressed the Richard civil – Richard Speck. Right. I'm sorry. About Speck. Uh, the shit stain. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then they turn the tape off and they warn him, hey, man, you are really pushing it here. You know, you hid evidence. This is not just about your methods and blah, blah, blah. But Holden is so arrogant because the whole time he's been saying, you know, well, yeah, I did. He's actually telling them the truth. But the way he's telling it to them, it's like he's so proud. And he walks out of the interview. Yeah, no remorse whatsoever. And it's funny how they mention a redaction and isn't that like what we know with the FBI? Everything's redacted yep. nowadays. Yep. I mean, you know, it's just so funny how I'm sure stuff has been redacted before and for different reasons. But now it's just like I remember there's so many shows. It's like, oh, we got the FBI. Fi- oh, everything's redacted. Everything's um, redacted, baby. And the thing, though, that makes Holden, I think, really go off the edge here. And again, mm-hmm. it's that personal stuff is when they mention that they say something like, your partner, Bill, even said that you, your methods were not good. He said, Bill said that, you know, or yeah. something like that. And that's kind of what gets him to get up and leave, mm-hmm. which shocked me when this originally happened. Um, and even when I watched it again, I, it was just like, he just, bam, he just walks out and they're like, if you leave now, blah, blah, blah. And then we start hearing there. Zeppelin baby in the light starts playing. 
We get Holden walking out. He's driving away. Now he's on a plane. We're kind of tracking through the journeys that we've seen this season, right? But he's doing them on his own. Mm -hmm. This great Zeppelin song is playing. And then he, we see where he is and he's there to see Kemper, his pal. Sacktown, baby. Yeah. And then we get this scene. Which, holy shit, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I start thinking back to when he's in the early on in one of the interviews where he's like, you know, he's holding his throat and his like, mm-hmm. and he's touching him. And I mean, the amazing thing, I mean, Ed, of course, tries to kill himself. He's got that big scarf from they left a pen and used the casings or whatever from the pen to cut himself. And he's really talking about their relationship and the article and are we friends holding. And as stuff's going on, you see the shift change and people in the ICU leaving. And you're just, and I mean, when he steps up in the chains on his feet, you're like, holy crap. Um, yeah. This just is- really, I mean, the story was picked up by the uh, Associated Press. So he's just, Holden's just like, uh, you know, okay, it's a bigger story now. That's how you read it. Um, you know, telling Kemper basically, you know, what he is, an organized killer and all that. And when it comes out, it's like he admits to Kemper he wants to be an expert. It's weird that he says he's not an expert yet. He gets a little like, because we think through this cockiness, he thinks he's, you know, the end all be all, but he comes back to reality while he's with Kemper. Mm, you know, yeah. now that he's around Kemper, the teacher, he gets a step back and it seems to be the only one who could really put him in his place. And, you know, maybe this is what Holden needed something like this to happen to realize, whoa, pump the brakes, bro. You know, and, and, and so that was very interesting. Um, you know, even Kemper even says, I could kill you now. It'd be pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and that hug. Oh, man. Yeah, this is another oh, one and- where it just builds, right? It just mm-hmm. builds. First, he's just mad. You didn't come to see me. Why? I tried so many different ways. Oh, I read the newspaper article. And again, we have the mention of the article. And like we were talking about, this article really kind of the reason why Kemper was upset is is because of the reason that Holden told Bill he would be upset is Kemper wants to be part of the team, right? Like yeah. Holden yeah. says our work together, yeah. you know? And he's like, yes, our work. And he, he wants to be mentioned in that. And you're right. Those feet on the ground, man, how they just stomp and the chain stomps. Nobody's there. Oh, dude, this scene is amazing. Yeah, I mean, and then Holden just, you know, he gets away. Like, you think, wait, could he, could Kemper kill him? But no, he's not going to. But then mm-hmm. Holden gets away and has basically a freaking panic slash anxiety attack in the hallway. And just, he's hearing all the clips of what people, you know, have said throughout the show about, you know, his attitude's going to bite him in the ass and all this and, shepherd's voice and everyone's voice he collapses of course there's a nurse there and it's like you're not gonna die you're in a hospital I'm like people die in hospitals all the time <laughs> yeah man the editing on the audio here how they start 
the song in his journey and it progresses through, right? And it rises. Mm -hmm. As soon as he gets to Kemper, the song fades out. You have the Kemper scene. As soon as he turns, the song kicks back in, but it's the end of the song and then as he goes crazy and you hear all the voices, the song reboots and goes back to the beginning and starts playing again, like this big circle that won't relent. Right. And yeah. that's what his life has become. So the actual mm. editing and placement of the way they loop the song is indicative of his mental state. And just the challenge that Kemper is basically saying to him is like, look, you're playing games, man. Like, this is the real shit. I could kill you right now. Is that really what you're interested in? Or are you like helping people? Who are you? Where do you stand? And I think that was like the challenge here of Holden coming to grips with the fact that this is, and I think I see it, I have to say, in some, in us, we've talked about the effect of watching this show, you know, and it makes you yeah. think about your weird patterns, <laughs> like yeah. the weird Seriously. shit you do. Holden's got to take that light to himself and see who he really is um, and become a per and have his own life that's separate from this. Um, but I don't know whether he'll ever be able to do that. Maybe he'll be able to come to grips with it, but it doesn't, he doesn't seem to be the type of person, um, unless he completely let this go, that will not become in some way consumed by it. Right. Mm. Amazing. Intense, huh? And let's not forget the real ending oh, of a, the episode. We get a real ending. Because a beginning became an ending. After, exactly. After we get holding, going crazy, you think it's over, but no, baby, because the song kicks in more, and then we see BTK burning his sketches in the backyard. What does that mean? Is he ready to kill now? He's done playing games. He's ready to take the next step and do what we saw, that he was at that house last time we saw him, right? And it seemed like he was going to mm -hmm. kill, but he didn't. And we end the fucking season with the title, Park City Kansas. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. Fincher is the man. Who fucks with you like that, that they end the season with a title sequence? Yeah. It's the reverse of what we've been getting in cold opens. Yep. It ends with it, and then it, it, it ends with the beginning of usually the cold open with where we're at. Amazing, man. Just a big fucking circle. You got to figure it out. You got to find your own way out. You got to go through it. Uh, and that's what we did. We went through this whole season. What an amazing journey. Solo. Any, uh, any final thoughts about this end here, this episode? I mean, just it was perfect because it really challenges the viewer, what you've watched, how you feel, how you internalize it. And, uh, of course, our characters. Yeah, man, it just and I'm so glad we ended up taking our time and doing it episode by episode instead of doing like a season one recap in one episode, because there's so much here. And I'm so glad we did it, Axel, because it just it, it enhanced it for me. And I hope it enhances, enhances it for listeners and new listeners to come. And it's just, man, it, it, it's 
it's tough because, you know, people watch this probably just binge it. Oh, wow. You know, but when you watch it kind of week to week, uh, it, I mean, granted, we binged it. I mean, I did it in like two days when it first came out. But um, to go back and just go at, I mean, basically, we, I've been watching an episode a week to get ready for the pod, and it just, I enjoy it this way too. You can, you got to do it almost both ways to really get everything. Yeah. So oh, it's been, a great yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I mean, this whole season, I mean, I changed hairstyle, shaved, I, you know, <laughs> thought about smoking, uh, you know, having steak and, and, and a baked potato and, um, avoid car crashes and, you know, go to, you know, pickups on, cleanups on aisle seven and, you know, listening to great music, Deb's mixtape and, ah, oh, it's just been a great journey, man. It has. This has been fantastic. Uh, this is a great show. Um, we're going to be back in January to do season two. For those of you, I know, I know a lot of you have already watched season two. And if you haven't, we're going to try to do it the same way where we take each episode as we walk through it. And I like that we did that too and didn't kind of jump ahead while we were talking about it because it grounds yes. you in what was happening now. Um, mm -hmm. and it gets you and it lets you really see the subtleties of this show. Cause this is actually a pretty subtle show. You know, this isn't game of Thrones or something like big dramatic things happen. This was the big dramatic thing. A guy running out of a room and having a panic attack, um, yeah. is the big dramatic thing because this show really is about the internal life and it, and it does challenge you. So mine hunter, thank you. Mine hunter, great actors, actresses. Directors, production designers, costume designers, effects, editors. What a fantastic production. I couldn't, I could go on and on just about, I've held back sometimes on some of the, the geeky cinematography stuff because you just got to sit there and take it in. Um, but it gets, that is there in season two. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that both Solo and I loved season two. So you ain't going to get like, oh, this is a different pod next season. No, we both yeah, loved no. it. The show continues to kick ass. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited too, Axel. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for going on this journey with us. And we'll be back in 2020, or very early 2020, to do season two. And wait, what was that, Axel? Oh, I get it. You mean shut up and adore you? Peace!